Welcome to the Birds and Bees podcast. This is your host, Sue Johnson. I'm a white cisgendered uh, woman, and this podcast is for anybody who's not a part of the binary heteronormative bullshit. Got tripped up on my words there for a minute. Uh, and I'm also neurotypical. And joining me today is Rob. How are you? I'm doing great today. You know, just uh, had a nice workout today. And, uh, you know, things are looking good from here on out. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. You have the distinction of being the youngest person I've interviewed so far. Um, and I think you have a very interesting... Yeah, because, I mean, I listened to other episodes and I presumed uh, uh, everyone else... Yeah, you got, have a unique perspective. At least uh, 30-ish, if that makes any sense. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. um so when um I was coming up and dating things looked very 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 different and even uh I met my the guy I'm married to I met him on Craigslist believe it or not (laughs) yeah that's not the usual place to meet love you though because I think of all the horror stories and the horror movies that come out of that absolutely And, and you know the Craigslist killer he was um, a medical intern at Albany Medical Center. Oh, uh, well, that's really awkward. Yeah. Yeah. So we met. He didn't kill me. Obviously, I didn't murder him. <laughs> 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 um, I had remembered, like, I want to say it was like the mid 2000s when um, match.com was really popular, but it was not for anybody who was part of the lgbtq community it was strictly for heterosexual people oh yeah i can see that because back then it was obviously i mean i was in the younger generation so i really can't speak for anyone else that's in that generation but i can certainly say that now is a lot different and more quote-unquote open in quotations compared to what it was back then right where it was a bit more frowned upon to be lgbt if you will Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It was moving the political state at the time and um, just people getting familiar with technology. Um, And and honestly, you know, where this country was built on the binary man, woman, you're heterosexual or you're weird, which is, (laughs) we've come a long way. Yeah, no, certainly. And I kind of believe that people often sometimes and if this is not the most intent, kind of have the difficulty a little bit of shifting from a black and white perspective to add mm-hmm. a little bit more gray area. Because I think in order for things to work slowly, as hard as it may seem, I kind of think you have to slowly introduce things to people. And I think they'll catch on later as time goes on, as hard as it is for others and whatnot. Right. Rome wasn't built in a day, for yeah. sure. Um What's, uh, what's been your experience with dating apps? Um, my experience with dating apps so far, I mean, for someone like me, I come across as a, I'm going to say, I think lower needs might be more appropriate because I know using functioning labels is not exactly the right thing to do. Right. So I would say as far as my experience goes with dating apps, I often found it difficult because from a visual standard, I don't fit any of the stereotypes or certain body types that say maybe a lot of men, gay men might look for, 
because right. I've even talked to someone who is, I mean, I don't think they identify as a twink, but I remember even them showing me what, how many looks they had and how, sorry, how many views they had. And they had at least a couple hundred maybe. And wow. I, and I got like less than 50 a day. And you know what? That's okay. Cause my, yeah. I mean, my goal in life is to be myself no matter what. And if someone finds me interesting, that's great. And, and I would, and I'm not sure how much to go in depth in this, to be honest, because I want to keep it pretty general and pretty simple. But I would certainly say definitely a roller coaster, to say the least. <laughs> yeah, I am. Um, so uh, some of the patients I work with, I work, uh, I work in HIV prevention, and I know there's sections on there uh, where you can put in your HIV status if you're on PrEP. Um so it gets really in depth, like much more uh, personal yeah. than, than just, I don't know, than, than what I, uh, than what I had known in the, in the past. So. Oh, certainly. And I still believe that there are people who are not totally honest about their status mm-hmm. because I mean, sometimes it's a privacy thing and you disclose that later on, but, or some are not just honest about it and just go, mm-hmm. no, cause some will just like list negative but not put a date when they've been tested. And because I've been, had conversations with many guys, I would always ask that question just because, just as a precaution, just to be on the safe side and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, it's true. You can, you can put whatever you want um, and you would hope that people would be honest. Um, Just from my experience working in the HIV community, I mean, it's not something you have to tell people like that's high, nice to meet you. I'm HIV positive, you know, but I mean, if you are interested in someone, especially if it's either you're just hooking up for sex or you eventually are going to be having sex, um, it's important to disclose because then you take away that other person's choice or consent. So yeah, yeah, definitely. Because even if you agree to meet up and you purposely or you don't make the effort to disclose anything mm-hmm. you are kind of setting up the potential to have this hey there's those lack of consent in this area you didn't tell me this so it does go beyond the standard yes or no because consent is very much so black and white in a way but there's also mm-hmm. gray area into the circumstances that lead up to it yeah absolutely um <laughs> sex can be very complicated negotiating it sometimes um now uh just for everyone who's listening knows you are um neurodivergent yep correct i'm on the autism spectrum and i was diagnosed at the age of three and i have to say it's been a great journey obviously i have a lot of challenges so not all of it was definitely bright and rainbows Mm. but however having both sides you know, both scales has brought me to where I am today. And I embrace it no matter how many down days I have or up days I have. I just got to keep on going. Right. So three years old, um, how do you remember the being tested? I I mean, three is um, really before your memory starts forming. Oh, I actually don't remember, to be honest, but I Hmm. still have memories when I was five years old. I had difficulty verbalizing and having self-control for my impulses and mm-hmm. control my meltdowns and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So, and I certainly was a lot less verbal than I am now and not having the calmness and ability to control myself in a certain situation. 
-hmm. it was just a lot different back then. And I just think with my individual development, I happened to get to where I am along with the fact that I also had a lot of speech therapy. I had aides who helped me out. I just was very blessed to have the family I have and all the teachers in my life. I I love them to this day and I thank them very much. That's amazing. It's, I mean, you need that support immediately. Um, Oh yeah, you do. Yeah. And, and being neurodiverse, you know, it, it, it's, it's a nebulous concept. And I think people take that for granted. Um, did you ever read the book? Um, uh, I'm having a brain fart. <laughs> read, read the book, A Wrinkle in Time. By Matt I, have, I actually have not, but I've heard, the only thing, reason I heard of it is the movie. I think Oprah Winfrey was starring in it, I believe. Yes. Yes. She was one of the aliens that was in it. Um, but there's a chapter where I go to a planet that is got no sunlight. There's no star. Um, and, and they're trying to explain light and dark to these cre- these aliens that have no concept of light and dark. And, and I, I find that it, it trying to explain someone's neurodiversity is a bit that way because we're most people who are neurotypical have uh, are black and white thinkers. So to try to um, explain, no, I'm not disabled. Um, no, I, I'm not mentally ill. You know, it, 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 I'm assuming that must be something that, that you may get frustrated or, or maybe get tired of having to explain to people. To, to be quite honest, I have never gotten tired of it because <laughs> I, just ha- I just like have been set up mentally throughout my life that people always not exactly understand it right away. Mm-hmm. And I do, and I, and I don't mind explaining it just as long as, you know, they just do it non-maliciously. And I'm just like, it just depends on the context. I just don't want to spit out something and then just like say something without the masking, you know, cause it can be condescending if you just start mm-hmm. telling them, this is what neurodiversity is and right. you're um, scum, blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to do that to them. Well, yeah. I, and I'm sure most people, probably like 90% of the people that you meet um, probably are not like outwardly trying to disparage your character or pick on you in some manner. Right. Yeah. And it's unintentional, even with the people I've met in my life, wherever it's, it is definitely mostly unintentional, but then there are some people that kind of deliberately claim the ignorance. So, so like, I know that in that respect, it's, it's uh, malicious. And I'm just like, you know what? I shouldn't get upset with them, but I just got to shut that off. Right. I mean, and also too, it's not your job to be the ambassador of neurodiversity for that person. Like they can put the work in to, to easily figure out where you're coming from. Um, That's my opinion anyway. (laughs) No, no, no. You're you're right. You're absolutely correct. It's just some, it's everyone's job on whether you're neurodivergent or not to put mm-hmm. in the effort for the curtain situation that may be at hand or conversation, yeah. because that's what we need to do as a society for anything in order to move forward. Again, I'll say this as hard as it is, because I'm not trying to say, do this overnight and have this be done. <laughs> right. and, and, and this reminds me of something I've had. I started reading two, I read two Temple Grandin books. Um, I'm not sure, have you read Temple Grandin by any chance? No, over? no I haven't. I'm gonna write that down though, for sure. She is a um, popular autism advocate. She's actually, 
I think oh. she was like born in the 1940s, maybe, because she's I don't know, 1940s or any 60s. To be honest, my memory is not totally perfect right now, but I just remember <laughs> reading two books, one that was a bit more statistical with autism about like a, a certain part of the brain making up for another and other oh. things. And then another book, which had another autistic advocate, to be honest, I kind of forgot got the name of the guy. <laughs> um, I just remember it was just more insight about autism, about social understanding, because I kind of feel like even for everyone else, it's a constant journey of learning and mm -hmm. you're never going to stop, no matter how hard you want to say, I know it all. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that's a hard thing for people to wrap their heads around is you're constantly learning and growing. Whereas I, I've met numerous people who have been like, well, you know, I understand why you're reading that or trying to catch up on that subject. Like, aren't you done with school? You're in your forties. So, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, de definitely. It just like makes you just sets you up better for life. And I even started mm -hmm. reading books on body language because even though I might have some sort of clue body language. I just want to freshen up my skills because social cues sometimes are kind of a strength for me or not, depending on the sensory stimuli in the environment and what's going on. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's, that seems like a lot to contend with, but here you, you're independent. You're, you have a job, you have a car in your, your dating and, um, the, I, I, we had talked in our pre-interview about how someone had, and it wasn't a malicious, didn't come mean to come across malicious, but it was definitely condescending about, oh, you seem so normal. Oh yeah. I, yeah, definitely. I've got, I got in that and it actually doesn't bother me, but I know it does bother a lot of people in the autism community and I can in a sense understand why, but yet I also have to say, you know, it's, it also is your job to let people know gently Hmm. Totally. Totally. And then, um, you know, and it's just a quick, okay, I didn't know that. Thank you for, for explaining it to me. And yep. it should be like this long drawn out. Well, I didn't know. And, oh, that, you know, that, that grandiose over apologizing. Nobody likes that. <laughs> yeah. Just, you can just say, I'm sorry about that. And then have the end of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the other thing too, I find interesting you being, um, younger than uh, my youngest guest so far. Um, I'm curious about your um, education as far as sexual health is concerned. Did you, do you have health class or I know cause some schools there, they were teaching abstinence only for a long period of time and other places were relying on like Planned Parenthood to come in if the school board would let them. I mean, where I grew up, I, where I grew up, I was lucky to have um, um, a health teacher actually, in fact, show pictures of STDs and whatnot, and to um, talk about it general, you know, condoms and whatnot. So it was, I, I remember, I think, being a pretty brief discussion. So at that time, I think it was when they didn't do abstinence. And I think it's because I graduated in the class of 2012. So mm -hmm. I think things were different in a sense before abstinence only even became a thing. Yeah, yeah. And so, and that's another route that educators take with uh, younger people is I'm going to give you all the scare tactics about why you don't want to have sex. Um, and, and, and also too, still looking really at it only from a heterosexual point of view. Um, yeah. th there's absolutely no talk 
about um, LGBTQ youth as far as sex is concerned. So then um, I've had people tell me, well, I learned about sex on Pornhub. And sure, you're going to know the mechanics of sex, but (laughs) porn porn is not great in that those things generally don't happen in real life. Yeah, 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 for sure. It's it destroys most of the rules of consent as well as realistic expectations of a person. Mm-hmm. And it even is as bad as a low budget B movie. Kind of like, I don't know if you've seen The Room by any chance. I saw The Disaster Artist. Yes, yes. <laughs> so yeah, and they showed clips of the actual movie, which was interesting. I mean, some interesting stylistic choices. No, it's not true. Don't even ask. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, hi, doggy. I can keep doing impersonations, but I'll stop there. (laughs) No, that was perfect. I do that a lot, too. (laughs) Yeah, or I love Claudette, the the older lady in the movie, where she's like, yeah, where, like, she basically tells Lisa to stay with this man because, you know, the, the... Person, the guy wrote it as if it was a misogynist viewpoint of women. Right. And, and like the lady goes like Claudette, her name is, she's like, Johnny is your financial security. You can't afford to ignore this. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Just a while. And you know, you can't even believe that that happened, but it did. <laughs> yeah, because I think that man was deep down I think he was a genius or somewhat in his own right, mm. but he was very eccentric to the point like it was hard for him to relate to people. But yet, obviously, oh, yeah. the Mark or uh, Greg, Greg, who played Mark, mm. obviously related to him in some way, and that managed to work out. Right. It's just a fascinating look at someone who's, I mean, I, I think he he is so untouchable not untouchable he's so far removed from humanity i yeah i I imagine it would be very hard to have a conversation with him oh yeah for for sure i mean (laughs) me being on the spectrum it makes me more motivated to want to talk to him just Mm. because i can somewhat relate to his eccentricness in some degree but not to the extent of what we've seen written in the movie and how he's allegedly treated people on set and whatnot because he wanted things his way and I kind of think he just winged it as opposed to like really look through it but then again I haven't read the book so I'm not totally informed yeah no I haven't (laughs) read the book either um it's on my queue though for sure um excuse me um so talking about I had my guest on last week um was um a a woman that identified as um, pansexual. And she was talking about the difference between get having sex with a woman versus having sex with a man. Yeah. And the biggest thing that came up with men is the idea and the action of consent. So during our pre-interview, we were kind of riffing a little bit about consent as far as um, meeting someone for the first time and for a hookup. Yeah. So if you could speak a little bit about your, you don't have to get (laughs) too personal, but just in reality. 
I mean, I generally have not had an issue for generally, mm-hmm. but I kind of think if you, if you, if you, let's say if you, I don't, I'm trying to think of an exact example. I'm going to say this the most generally possible. Sure. I remember I stopped doing something and, and this person's like, well, I want to finish. And, you know, I was done with that anyway. So that that's the end of it. And I was like, you know what, if someone's not going to respect you, then it's just not going to work. I mean, it doesn't matter if things get done a certain way or not. You just have to do you, you. Consent is very important. And it doesn't mm-hmm. matter if the other person is happy or sad. I'm sorry. I shouldn't say it that way. It matters more that you consent and they consent. That's what I meant to say. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and that um, your consent is understood and accepted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing too was um, in the in the girl world <laughs> for yeah. queer women, um, there isn't like an ideal body image where I feel like working around and being in uh, around queer men or men who identify as uh, men, men who have sex with men. Yeah. There is like there is a beauty standard. There is an age standard. Um, so. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of really um, interesting to me to kind of how you how someone can kind of juggle their identity um, to be like this idealized image that people really want to hook up with. Yeah, because when we have words like twink, daddy, otter, bear, athletic jock, I think that perpetuates more stereotypes and labels than it does actually help anything because I get it we want a community but I don't think that's the exactly the ideal way because I kind of think there's a lot of the standard is I guess being more muscular in another sense but also Mm -hmm. being a skinny um how do I say this um twink I guess you could say and I'm not shaming that at all I mean whatever you are it's awesome but some people just just naturally oh go ahead Yeah, that that's just like what a lot of the, I guess the community tends to look at more, at least depending who you talk to. But I'm only speaking this in general, somewhat general terms. So I don't want to make a generalization. Hmm. Yeah, no, what I was going to say is just some people naturally have that slender, yeah. light look about them. That's just how they're built. Um, and then there's this other people. Great. This, there's this other area that people don't like to discuss, which is uh, gay men are higher risk for developing eating disorders or um, using steroids to get that, you know, perfect bubble ass or those really, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. There's a lot. And also too, meth. Meth is used as not only to yes. you know, feel more uninhibited but it's also an appetite suppressant i cannot tell you how many awkwardly placed capital t's i've seen it's very obvious that they want to do that particular activity oh huh yeah because they'll write like say tina or they'll write party and have a capital t or they'll write t's in other sentences to give off that message so that code code. yes in case like the police try to because i'm sure there's been cops on grinder for sure it wouldn't surprise me given the amount of drugs Mm -hmm. That definitely been exchanged through there. Not that I've been involved because I will never do that, but right. I just know it exists. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's, I don't know, it's disheartening to me um, to kind of put all these expectations, especially if somebody is out for the first time 
you know, or make, you know, I actually work with a lot of patients who came out later in life. So uh, um, dating in, in this, this new age is like an astronaut landing on the moon. Like everything is completely upside down for them. Oh yeah. It's very hard because a lot of them, at least a lot of the guys are know they're in the older generation. I think it's harder for them partially because it's place and timing, but also mm-hmm. because I kind of think there's some beauty standards. I'm sorry. Yeah. I think of Jeffree Star when I say, think of a beauty standards for every <laughs> Problematic Jeffree Star. <laughs> yeah. Um, I unfortunately met him at Warped Tour when he used to do music in 2010 yeah. when, yeah, I actually met the guy before he shot up as a beauty guru, whatever. Wow. Wow. That's like back in the MySpace days. Oh yeah, no, for sure. And yeah. I, and I kind of think I remember him saying inappropriate things and we were under 18. So oh, wow. I, it doesn't surprise me that the stuff they talk about him now is linked to what I've heard before. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, unfortunately, the other thing we have to deal with in this society is because we're based on capitalism and consumerism, the yep. more money you have, the easier it is to get away with, um, based in my my sexual assault. It's easier to get away with sexual assault, and and I think because um, people in the LGBTQ community, you know, statistically speaking, report rape and sexual assault considerably less than um, uh, cisgendered women. So there's all these nuances in the community and it's, it's very hard to, um, yeah, it's just really hard to navigate sometimes. Uh, Yeah, for sure. It is unfortunately hard to navigate because even with another YouTuber, I don't know if you know who EDP 445 is by any chance. Mm -mm, No. Well, I I watched some of his videos and so he's like this Eagles fan and he's like loud and over the top. (laughs) And he, and so this is a man who is presumably heterosexual so he got caught by these predator poachers. And so he had been blasted online. And so then his channel got banned from YouTube because he tried to meet with a 13 year old. Oh my God. That's yeah, disturbing. So, no, I agree. And, and that goes to show that um, in, in see, they're likely to get caught quicker. I mean, everyone should be caught at the same time regardless, mm-hmm. but he got caught quicker than say James Charles or Jeffree Star. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and James Charles, he's he's from this area. Which yeah. I didn't know. Um, I was like, I hey. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that seemed to yeah, that seemed to escalate exponentially um what he had done. Um I'm not sure if he felt remorseful about it either, but you know. I was going to say, I watched a little bit of that apology. I seen the facial expressions and that doesn't look sincere to me in my opinion, anyway. Yeah. But we I, never know the full story behind YouTube influencers. And even with say someone like Shane Dawson, he's also had scrutiny for making a comment about a child. I'm not going to say what it is, but I'm just. Oh gonna yeah. Yeah. People still harp on him about that. Oh yeah. Um, so, so it's this really vibrant and exciting time for the LGBTQ community, because now there's yep. so many platforms and places you can be yourself and state your opinions. And, you know, it, you know obviously skills, you know, people are, well, beauty skills can only get you so far. I mean, 
Youth yeah. lasts for a very short amount of time, <laughs> unless you buy it. But I mean, you know, what, who am I to judge if if you're a beauty guru? But you know, and then there's this dark, sinister thing bubbling underneath. Yes, it, and I think in these times now, we're starting to hold people more accountable for things like rape and sexual assault, even mm. with like uh, YouTube influencers, and a lot of them have been taken down left and right in some way. And, and, and I'm glad that's happening because I mean, I'm not saying just like cancel anyone, but cancel someone who legitimately is going to be a danger to children in our society because we need our youth to learn what properly things like consent and whatnot. Cause we need to give people a healthy sense of egoism. I don't know if that's a word, but I just kind of think a lot of the YouTubers I've seen sometimes at least kind of almost come across as you know maniac-y like a mm-hmm. higher important sense of self yeah. and and i just don't really feel like it contributes to society in any way but that's yeah. my opinion yeah i think it's this fantasiful life that you're suddenly living and, oh yeah yeah and and you're tapped in and you have subscribers and you're putting your face your name you know on sponsorships and that would definitely give you that feeling of being untouchable and I'm going to live forever. Yeah. And I kind of wish, I, sorry, I do wish that there are more people that would use that power responsibly because there is the way to do it. I just think for a lot of people, it might be hard because everyone has insecurities to some degree, but a lot of people seem to shift to using their insecurity and their fame as a weapon to make themselves feel better. Yeah, I never even thought of that, but that's absolutely true. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Um, so just for people to know, you and I have never met. We oh, met, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we met on um, a networking group, the Queer yep. Exchange, um, which I, I, that's a really great group, honestly. Um <laughs> People there are very open and genuine. Oh, yeah, and definitely. My, as, my, as far as my experience has been concerned. Um, but we do share one thing in common. Um, yeah. We both went to the same um, community college. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, class of 1995. <laughs> and I graduated around, I think it was, um, hold on, I'm trying to think. Um, I'm like late 2014, I believe. That's when I graduated. Mm. (laughs) And yep, that's when I got my associate's degree, walked out and said, holla. And then I came out with a human services degree. And yeah, and that's when I started working. But I had been working during college too. So what can I say? (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, it sounds like you had a goal in mind and you were going to achieve it, even though it was challenging for you in a way that, someone who's neurotypical is probably not going to understand. Yeah. Just roll with it for sure. Yeah. 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 And even I'm trying to find new things to do. Like I'm making music right now because, you know, I'm trying, yep. I'm trying to make something called a, um, I guess you could call it a experimental pop project or maybe even hyper pop, if you will. I'm not sure if you know what that is. No, no, but I listen to pretty much anything. So. Yeah, hyperpop, from what I've gathered, is essentially mostly very LGBT friendly, like an LGBT community in of itself a lot of times. 
but it's also kind of like if you took pop music and you took it to unconventional lengths, but you still kept it in pop and definitely a lot more auto-tune and whatnot. Okay. So not just your generic two minute, two and a half minute pop song. And four, four, what beat common measure beats, whatever. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, a lot of songs are like less than three minutes or even less than two minutes from what I've listened to. Yeah, and that you know, that's something too, is that um when I was when I was in my twenties, <laughs> it was <laughs> it was rare for someone to be very out and in the well, I was I'm more into indie music and punk. Um, <laughs> I still am, um, but yeah, it was it was rare for someone to be very out and proud and who is kind of seen as a novelty, which so I mean that <laughs> we've come so far so fast. Um, oh, we certainly have. Yeah, but, I mean, <laughs> no, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Freddie Mercury was certainly very notable around that time because look where Queen, Queen's like all over the radio or even at the gym and whatnot. It's like, you know, it's easy to do workouts to Queen songs. Not that I do, <laughs> but other people do. We're at school dances. Yeah, see, we got some LGBT influence in our music no matter where you are. Yeah, I mean, he was in the closet for a long time, but I people knew and I don't think people really cared because he's just... I mean, that music, I'm not actually a Queen fan, personally, but, but it's anthemic and people identify with it. And he was so beloved. Um, and, and it's a shame that he died from HIV. Um, but from what I know, he was with, he had family and friends and his cats around him when he passed. At least he had that around him. As yeah. Heartbreaking yeah. as it is. Yeah, I mean... Um, so when I keep saying when I was a young kid, but, <laughs> but I, the bear that I grew up with, um, if you were gay, you were part of the LGBTQ community, um, uh, the word on everybody's lips was monogamy and condoms because of the <laughs> HIV virus. And clearly we've come so far. People living with HIV have very good quality of life. The drugs that they manufacture keep yep. people living longer and healthier lives. So it, is that something that's talked about or is in your experience, if, have you had conversations around STIs and HIV with potentially uh, um, a hookup or um, a partner? Yeah, I've always made the effort to bring that up because sex is not something that you should beat around the bush and get to it. You have to make a good decision, good and sound decision before you engage in any activity. And you, no matter if they don't answer, you still have to kind of ask again and again, kind of remind, not be direct, but just kind of like bring it up again here and there just to see if they're honest and whatnot. And in general, mm. still have a natural conversation, but gently bring it up but keep asking more details because if they're not willing to share details with you then I don't think it's a good or safe idea to meet such a person absolutely um only went out of my head what I was going to say I'm sorry this is something I tell patients because I do a lot of um HIV testing in the community yep. um, so when I test someone who's younger in their uh late teens or later 20s, um, I always say, question first, have a conversation first, then you get naked. Um, 
because that conversation is going to tell you everything you need to know. <laughs> um, yeah. And then on the other side too, is when I'm working with people who are in their sixties and seventies that are finally can be out and proud. Uh, you know, I always tell them, here's your test results. Um, you should take them with you if you're going to, well, at the time, you know, pre-coronavirus, <laughs> if you're going to go out this weekend yeah. to a bar and meet somebody and you have, you have your um, test results. And this one gentleman, he was really sweet. He had just retired and he ended a long-term like 20 year relationship. Oh, he was terribly unromantic to, <laughs> to show someone that I don't have chlamydia or gonorrhea. I said, no, it's not romantic at all, but he's very practical. And he's like, he was just kind of dumbfounded. Um, but he got, he understood what I was saying. I was going to say, don't worry about being romantic. Worry more about being honest because I don't want, I wouldn't want life for anyone to be like a Hallmark or Lifetime movie. Just have it be real life, the movie. Have a real <laughs> life channel for once and then have real life movies that will correctly inform our generations of what real life is like. I watch Lifetime movies for fun and my God, a lot of those things are unrealistic. You know, I think that's part of the camp and fun because I love a good TV movie, especially the horror ones from the 70s and 80s. Yeah. Um, so over the top. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, it's just something really, it's like, um, I mean, it's like eating M&M's, you know, they're not great for you, but damn, they taste good. <laughs> oh, I agree with that. It's kind of like back then the idea of facts was, yo, sick ketchup bottle, bruh. And you know, they could splat that on and call it a day. Totally, totally. Um, yeah, especially if you watch some of the, uh, um, sorry, <laughs> practical effects. I was trying to think of a nice word to say. <laughs> I mean, the, some of the, some of the practical effects are better than the CGI today because oh, absolutely. I, lit I literally think some of the 3D is like click, click, clickety, click, click, all done. And then they throw that in a movie and it's like, oh my God, it's so fake. Yeah, I have a I have a hard time with one of the Wolverine movies. I can't remember which one. I think it was just the Wolverine, his origin story. Um, and I just remember his um his claws just didn't translate well <laughs> from the CGI that they were using. Well, then you then the enemy antagonist in the movie, not that I seen it, then they should have said, Oh hi, Hugh Jackman. And then like Wolverine <laughs> be like, oh wait, what? <laughs> I love Hugh Jackman. Oof. He can dance, he can sit, he can act, and his wife is very average looking, so you know he married her for love. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if she would take that well. Well, and she's also his business manager too. <laughs> well, they certainly know how to work a business romantic relationship well. Totally. And a totally. lot of people, I think, struggle with that, which is understandable. But oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Money, money brings out the worst in some people. Um. <laughs> yeah, because like it's not your goal in life to make it rain. It's to your goal in life is to get pain and get gains, if that's even the right way of saying it. I was trying to rhyme it. <laughs> that i think that sums it up really well. yes <laughs> um so i don't generally ask people about their coming out story 
because I feel like we had, when we had talked about this, just, um, people think that's the be all and end all of someone's character is like, okay, you're out and now everything is fine. And for a lot of people, it's just starting their journey because, um, now they're, now they're out and it's a time and place. It is not just telling your family and your friends. Um, but it's, it's being, it's you, it's you, it's your life. And obviously it's not like that, you know, <laughs> lifetime movie <laughs> where everything is perfect and clean. Um, but, um, ha- how's your experience been like, um, post coming out? Um, I would honestly say I don't really have a coming out story other than it's like, I came out and it's like, okay. And I was just very lucky to have a supportive family and friends around mm-hmm. me. But I definitely said in high school, I got a couple of people who bullied me for sure. But mm-hmm. other than that, I came to terms with it. And it was something that didn't challenge me. I think if anything, my challenges were autism were a lot bigger that I think mm-hmm. it um, made me immune to some of the stuff that people face being LGBT. But I don't want to dismiss their story. It's just different for me in that regard. Exactly. Um, and I'm very, was very interested in hearing your story and everybody's experience. You know, there could be another gentleman who's your age, who's gay and um, uh, on the autism spectrum, but their, their experience may be completely different, you know? Oh, absolutely. Cause I've met people like myself who I know definitely have different experiences, but you know, it's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And and you're living your life on your own terms. And I think that's the most important thing. Oh, very. Because every parent wants their child to be able to, you know, still love them, but, you know, be out on their own as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, and you have a dog too. That's awesome. <laughs> so I, yes, I, I do. One of, the, one of the things is I really, I, I'm one of those people who's very like pro animal, like yeah. favor. Yeah. I've, worked, I've worked for two very sinister people who said they didn't see the value in having a pet. So it's, <laughs> I already knew something was wrong. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm just a big sucker when it comes to animals. <laughs> I mean, did they have a blank expression? They were like, there is no value in animals. Like very like blank and like no emotion whatsoever sort of thing. No, it's more like disgust. Well, well then. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, it, it just confounded me completely. <laughs> ah, all right. Well, I think our time has come to an end. And I really want to thank you, Rob, very much for um, reaching out to me. And You're welcome. And having a place to say and speak your mind. Um, I've really, it it is very kind of you to come and do this for me. I really, no, thank you for having me on. I love talking to you, just like sharing my story. And you know, just uh, my mind is a vortex and it's flying everywhere. So, thank you. (laughs) You're very welcome. Um, and please like, subscribe, and rate Birds and Bees. Um, and please send me feedback. You can send that to birdsandbeespod at gmail.com. Feedback makes this show better. If you want to be on, if you'd like to be a guest, please also shoot me an email to tell me your story. Again, this forum is for people who are 
wouldn't necessarily have another place to go for their voice to be heard. Um, And I also am available for education uh, in the sexual health realm. So please, again, any inquiries will go to birdsandbeespod at gmail.com. And thank you again, Rob, and you have a great night. I will. You too. Thank you. You Take care. Bye. Bye.